Dead Man Walking, written by Eric Lee Garcia. Audiobook version. Plot synopsis. George must try to fight and survive Mr. Black's goons. Alejandro decides on what to do with Mr. Black. Eric and Lola's friendship develops. Extra thoughts. I already had a conclusion in mind when I started writing this chapter. It's evolved over the years, but I believe the direction taken is the better one out of all of them. I wrote this chapter in December 2020. I must have typed and typed during that break until mid-January. This is one of my favorite chapters, and always remember how much the details matter. Let's begin. Disclosure. Let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. 1. Mike's final visit. 2. George tries to stay alive, part 1. 3. Recovery, continue. 4. Black's last stand. 5. The Donuts. 6. George tries to stay alive, part 2. 7. The daughter of Don Hugo. 8. The end of Mike Morales. Scene 1. Mike's final visit. 2.39 p.m. The 3rd of October 2049. We open up to Mike. Sitting in the passenger seat of the blue car as they approach a house. A house we have not seen yet before. The driver nods to Mike. As he gets out of the car and approaches the front door. Mike. Knocks as he'd let in by a woman who looks to be in her 40s. He enters as they both take a seat at her dining room table as she prepares tea for both of them. Woman. What brings you around here Mikey? Mike. I am. I just, I just wanted you to know that you mean a lot to me. You were, you were a good person. You were never a bad person. I was, I was a terrible person. Always will be ha ha. Woman, what's this nonsense about? Mike, you know how some people that have cancer and know that they are destined to die? Woman, okay. Mike, that's, that's basically how I feel right now. Woman, why are you saying such tomfoolery? Mike, I am. Um, I think Don Alejandro has my number. I believe that my time is up or will be up very soon. I just, I just had to stop by to see you. Woman, oh Mike, you could have just, we, you could have just laid low for the rest of your days. They wouldn't have come looking because they wouldn't need to. You put yourself here and I. It breaks my heart to know that you will be gone. Mike. I never really liked or loved anything my whole life but these last few little teas and dinners with you. They meant the world to me. They really did. Woman. Yeah. You're a tortured soul Mikey. I wish I didn't have to come to this. Mike. I always lived life in the fast lane. That was never going to change. Woman. Foolish of me to think that you could have just laid low the rest of your days huh? Mike. Maybe in another lifetime we are happy. Together. Woman. Maybe. The camera pans back as Mike. 
wraps his hands around his cup of tea as the woman places her hand on his hand. He almost smiles as the screen goes black. Scene 2. George tries to stay alive part 1. 7.20pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens up to George tied up to a chair sitting in what appears to be some kind of living room in what could be a house or an apartment. He doesn't recognize the place as he looks around. He shakes in his seat as his blurry view is getting a little less blurry. He then notices his feet are tied to the chair and his hands are tied to the chair as well. The only thing not covered is his mouth. He feels a little drowsy as he tries to break the grip of the tape as it holds him closer to the chair. He looks up and the big fella who was driving the van walks in front of him. Bernard. It's about time you woke up. I needed to make myself a little snack. George. Did you make me a snack? Bernard. You want something? George. What do you got? Bernard. We got some candy bars. Granola bars. Cereal. I think we got some cookies around here too. Charles. Charles. Yes Bernard. What are you looking for sir? Bernard. Do we have cookies? Charles. The only cookies we have are the cinnamon ones. Bernard. I'm not really a fan of cinnamon. George. I like cinnamon cookies. Bernard. Fine. Bernard grabs the roll of cookies and opens them placing them down on the side table as he brings it right in front of George. George stares down at the open pack of cookies. George. Well. Maybe you can take the tape off and I can enjoy them. Bernard. You're funny little man. If you want one. You reach for it with your mouth. George. Fine. George then proceeds to reach for the cookies one by one with his mouth as Bernard watches on smiling at him oddly. George takes a deep breath as he eats another cookie. George. So what's the plan? You letting me go? Why are we at this house? Whose fucking house is this anyways? Bernard. Hey. Watch that mouth. George. My dearest apologies friend. When's the field trip? Bernard then grabs a towel and wraps it around George's throat. George's face begins getting red as Bernard pulls on the towel harder. George. Why oh you 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 you. Ass. Hole. Bernard. Listen here and listen well. I don't have a fucking clue what I'm going to do with you or what Mr. Black. Is going to do with you. I was told to bring you here and I'm awaiting instructions. I could choke you out right now if I wanted to but I don't make them rules so I have to restrain myself a little every once in a while. Just chill out and eat your damn cookies in peace. Alright. Alright. Bernard lets the towel go as George tries calming himself down. The breathing slows down and isn't as fast anymore. George. I only have one problem Bernard. Bernard. What is it? George, these cookies are drying the shit out of my mouth. Bernard, why didn't you say anything compadre? Bernard comes back momentarily with a glass of milk with a straw in it. Bernard, here, you happy? George, are we ever really happy? Bernard, that's a big question. Very broad question George. George, 
I can say that I'm happy. I used to always complain when I was younger. I used to be such a whiny bitch but as the years have come, I've gotten better at realizing what happiness is. Bernard, what is happiness to you? George, happiness is knowing that everything will be fine and I will see my son or my daughter grow up and be something great. Maybe a lawyer or a doctor. Or whatever they find passion in. Knowing that I will kiss my wife before she goes to sleep. Knowing that I'll have a family who accepts me and loves me for who I am. If you asked 5 years ago where my life would be, I wouldn't have the slightest idea where it would be. Bernard, I never got married myself. Women tend to hold me back. The last broad I was with I almost killed her with a towel. George, kind of like the way you just tried to kill me? Bernard, yeah except we were standing up is all. That's the only difference. George, people have always underestimated me. Bernard, have they? Ha, huh, you are you a small man. George, my whole life. When you wrapped the towel around me, I was able to slide my hand out of the tape. Bernard, really? George, yeah, the whole time you were taking my breath away. I reached to the side of my thigh where I have a blade. I cut the tape from my legs and my arm when you went to go get me my glass of milk. Bernard, you're fucking liar. Bernard stands up and gets close to George and sees the tape is still wrapped around George's legs. Bernard, your legs are taped to the chair. You're a funny one. Kuh. George pushes the blade into Bernard's stomach as George pushes the blade into Bernard with as much force as he can. George, you piece of shit. Bernard pushes himself back almost falling as the knife stays inside. He pulls it out and throws it against the wall. George then runs towards it and grabs it quickly with Bernard still dazed from the incident. Bernard. Charles. Charles. Bernard reaches for the counter with his gun as he fires shot after shot at the chair where George was. Bernard show yourself. Bitch. I'm going to fucking kill you. Charles. What happened sir? Bernard he's somewhere in the house. Charles. Who? Bernard. The guy that was taped to the fucking chair. Charles, let me call Black. Right away. Bernard, I don't know where you are but wherever you are, you are a dead man walking. Do you hear me? Dead man walking. Scene 3. Recovery. Continued. 1.03pm. The 20th of June 2014. We see Eric. Walk slowly down the hallway to Dr. Pina's office. He enters the office as Dr. Pina is already seated waiting for him surprisingly. Eric. Good morning Dr. Pina. Dr. Pina. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Eric. I'm good. I can't complain. Dr. Pina. Are you on 4 push-ups? Eric. Not yet. I wish. I'm still on 3. Dr. Pina. Well, as long as we always try to be better than yesterday, that's what counts. You know, Eric, I couldn't agree more. I had my last day cleaning up at school. Dr. Pina. How'd that make you feel? Eric. That I hate cleaning even more. 
They made us clean all the boards, the floors. Some guy who whined had to clean the bathrooms. I wanted to laugh but I tried my best not to ha ha. Dr. Pina. Cleaning the bathrooms isn't made for everybody but everybody has to do it a couple times in their life ha ha. It's like washing the car. My wife hates wasting 5 minutes of her life in those automatic car washes. I think those car wash rides are relaxing but maybe it's not for everybody. Eric. Well, I think that's pretty relaxing too. You play a good song and go through the car wash. It's a, it's a vibe. Dr. Pina, haha. Yes, a vibe. That's a new word I haven't heard you say. Where'd you hear that word? Eric, from one of my new friends. Dr. Pina, oh yes. You mentioned that you made some new friends. There's the girl that you met here in the waiting room and the other one. What's her name? Eric. Lola. Dr. Pina. Yes. Lola. You became friends with Rosie. And then you met Lola. Eric. Yeah. They're nice. They're cool. They're funny. They're even a little strange we can say. Dr. Pina. They both are? Eric. I would say Lola. Is the one that's a little strange. Dr. Pina. How so? Eric. Just the way she talks. It's strange, but it's cute huh? She's cute in general. Dr. Pina. You think Lola is cute? Eric. Something about her. I just can't seem to put my finger on it. Dr. Pina. That's good Eric. I remember you were a little down in the dumps about Gabby moving away but it seems that you have moved on from that. That's good. Eric. I still think about Gabby sometimes but it's not the same. I call her every once in a while but it's different. At the end of the day, I appreciated the chapter of my life with her. She was, she was a good friend. Dr. Pina. They say that some people enter our life for a purpose. Some leave and some will stay. But everyone who enters our life had a purpose in our life. Eric. Gabby helped me be proud of myself. I wasn't always proud of my personality and who I was. She helped me be a better me. I miss her but it's best to remember how highly I used to think of her when she was here. No one can ever take those memories away from us. Dr. Pina. That's the truth. Memories will always be memories no matter what. Eric. I'm grateful for everything you have done Dr. Pina. You'll be a good memory one day too. Dr. Pina. I'm glad Eric. He takes a pause to look through his journal. Dr. Pina. I noticed we haven't talked about your parents in the last few sessions. How are they? Eric. They are good. My dad got a new truck for work. Dr. Pina. Did he? Eric. Yeah he got a new Ford King Ranch F250. Is that what it's called? Yeah I think so. Dr. Pina. You said your dad has his own business so that must mean business is good. Eric. Yeah I guess so. Dr. Pina. Have you all gone out to eat since that last incident happened? Eric. Number. He never brings it up. I never bring it up. Dr. Pina. I find it strange how neither of you don't bother to bring it up. Eric. 
Well, you know my dad isn't the easiest person to talk to, Dr. Pina. You know that it takes more than one person to have a conversation. Your father is just one of those old-fashioned people. He reminds me of my father actually. There isn't many left like him. Eric, if he was like your father, then you can relate to how difficult it is for me. Dr. Pina, you need to find a hobby or do something together and that will get those conversations you don't both don't like talking about. Maybe over a game of pool since I believe you do have a pool table in your home. Right, Eric? Yes, we do have a pool table. Dr. Pina. Well, there you go. You two eventually will need to open up with each other. It could be years from now if you don't. Eric. No way. Dr. Pina. It could be. It's not something you should ignore. You shouldn't be like him. You should set the example. I'm sure if you set the example, he'll open up and talk about it. Eric. I'm sure you have a point. Dr. Pina. Have I ever steered you in the wrong direction? Eric. Not yet. Dr. Pina laughs as he leans back and squirms in his chair. The screen goes black. With them continuing to talk. Scene 4. Black's last stand. 7.30pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens with Black. In the car sitting in the passenger seat. The last we saw of Black was him getting surrounded by Alejandro's people so this must be moments before. The car runs over the spikes and we see Mike's only associate in company getting shot by Freezer. He is instructed to get down on his knees as the camera makes a 360 showing everyone pointing their guns at him. Marco reaches for his cell phone. He begins dialing as everyone continues pointing their guns. Alejandro. Some good news, Marco. We got the assault on Alejandro. Alejandra, we got lucky. Where are you, Marco? A couple hundred feet away from the checkpoint that we set up. To the left, there's a blue car that's destroyed from all the tires. Keep going straight into the woods, Alejandra. We're close. We'll see you all soon, Marco. Yes, sir. The call ends. Mr. Black. Yes sir Marco. Fuck you. Mr. Black. Fuck you. John. Shut the fuck up Black. Or I'll blow your head off. I don't hesitate. Marco might but not me. Marco. Hey hey. I'll kill this guy. I don't care who he is or what Don Alejandra. Says. Mr. Black. Neither one of you can kill me. Neither of you or anyone here has the balls to kill me. Not even the sheriff. He wouldn't do it. I know Don Alejandro wants to handle me himself. I know. You think I don't know? Sheriff Villarreal and Frieza look at each other. Frieza smiles at him. The sheriff then kicks Black in the face as he falls to the side laughing maniacally. Frieza then goes for a kick in the chest as he lays there. They all continue pointing their guns as the man wiggles like a snake on the ground. Mr. Black. Bitch. You bitch. Frieza. Then kicks him in the gut again as she nods to John, Marco, and Antonio. 
all one right after the other go for a kick in the gut as he now visibly has a bloody nose from the kick. The blood only drips a little more after each kick. Mr. Black. What a bunch of assholes. He coughs loudly as he lays there on the ground grabbing his body that hurts now from all the bruising and possibly internal bleeding. We then hear footsteps approaching through the woods. We see everyone watching Mr. Black, complaining and moaning on the ground. Everyone raises their guns at points then only to realize it's Don Alejandro. He doesn't flinch at all and just starts speaking. Alejandra. He must have really tested your patience. Freezer. He never shut the hell up. Alejandra. He does that. They all lower their guns as Black. Smiles to see Alejandro. Mr. Black. We meet again asshole. Alejandra. We meet again old friend. Black cell phone rings in his pocket. Mr. Black. I. Wonder who that could be. Alejandra. Quickly pulls out his gun and points at Black. He aims the gun straight for Black's head who sits on his knees holding his chest and his ribs. Alejandra. Answer it. Mr. Black. Fine. Fine. Mr. Black. Hello? Charles. We got a little problem sir. Mr. Black. What kind of problem? Charles. George was able to escape and he's somewhere in the house. Mr. Black. Well, find him. Charles, Bernard was stabbed by George. He's angry. Mr. Black, just bandage it up and call for backup. Charles, well alright sir but what do you want us to do exactly with George? Mr. Black, kill him. Whatever it takes. Alejandra, punches Black, knocking him down to the ground. He picks up the phone and talks to Charles. Alejandra. This is Don Alejandra. Goldemez. This is an order to not touch a single hair on George. Tell us where you are located and nobody is to get hurt. We just pick him up and we'll be on our way. Charles. I'm sure we can work something out Don Alejandro. Alejandra. I've heard this voice before. I can't recall from where but it's familiar. Charles. Of course you heard it. You must not remember it. No worries my good sir. When we find your precious little George. We won't hurt a single hair on his pretty little head. Charles. Kill him. Charles hangs up the phone immediately. The call ends. Alejandra. Who was that? Mr. Black. Surely you remember Charles. Alejandra. Don Rojalio's servant. Mr. Black. That's right. Alejandra. He's alive? Mr. Black. You thought he was dead? Alejandra. He was dead. He died. You told me yourself you killed him. Mr. Black. Well I didn't. I was never one for the rules. I needed people I could trust. I spared Charles life in exchange that he be ready for one day that I need him. I gave him all the money I was able to get my hands on before the FBI sent me away into witness protection. He's a good man. Don Rogelio. Accused him of stealing from him. What a fucking fool of a man. He was just paranoid. He was drinking all the damn time during those days. Alejandra. Don Rogelio. 
loved him like a brother and just like that asked you to kill him. Mr. Black. That man was one of the few people I actually remember giving me a hug when I was scared and alone. You know. Huh. He helped me stay in hiding when I came back because I knew one day I'd come back. I knew one day I'd come back and make this empire of yours crumble. I knew from the moment Don Rogelio, sharp, laid eyes on you. He saw the future. He looked at me and saw grief and regret. I was basically the man's son and he was ready to toss me to the side like I was yesterday's news. He always loved you that old son of a bitch. God rest his soul whenever he drops dead. I wish I could have been the one to kill him. Ha ha. How the fuck did no one else kill his sorry ass yet? He's fucked over so many people. Alejandra. Everyone leave. John. We'll be waiting by the side of the road. Alejandra. Number. No need. I'll handle it from here. Reach out to every one of your contacts to find George. We need to get him home. John. Yes sir. Free sir. I'm going to have to skip this little party for an important family matter. Alejandra. Go. Thank you for everything you did here free sir. Be careful. Free sir. I will. Everyone begins walking away from both Black and Alejandra. As we see Black. A bloody nose mess on his knees trying to stand up as Alejandra stands still right in front of him. Alejandra, I never wanted to kill you Mike. You were like a brother to me. Mr. Black, you'd rather I die of natural causes than actually kill me by your hand. That's the only reason you left me to die in a grave, isn't it? Alejandra. I didn't have family for a long time and the thought of killing you actually made me feel something. In this business, we learn to forget a lot about our feelings. Mr. Black, imagine being a kid and told not to cry at all. Having a father who doesn't tell you he loves you. Having brothers that tell you that you aren't really their brother. That was my whole life. I had to grow up at such a young age. Alejandra. I'm sorry you had to grow up like that. I had to grow up, even when I didn't want it. Alejandra reaches into his pocket and pulls out a needle. He stabs it into black as he screams in pain as the scene shows birds fly out of the trees in the distance. The needle is pulled out of black's neck as Alejandra walks adjusting his suit and walks away. We get a top view of Mike's lifeless looking body in the woods. The camera then begins following Alejandro. He walks through the woods as he approaches the side of the road. Alejandra. I know exactly where to take you black. It's a little 20 minute drive but it's only deserving that we go there after all this time. Alejandra. Walks slowly back into the woods. The day is getting darker as the sun begins to set. Alejandra lifts Mike's lifeless body on his shoulder and carries him all the way to the car. He puts his body on the ground as he opens the trunk. He places his body into the trunk and shuts it slowly. He looks around to see if anyone is in sight. Not a single person in sight. They are alone. All alone. He steps into the vehicle and closes the door behind himself. 
he begins driving as nightfall has now taken over. He turns onto a dirt road and takes a deep breath as he approaches a warehouse. He unlocks the warehouse and backs the car in reverse. He pops open the trunk and takes Mike's still lifeless body on his shoulder into the warehouse. We then see him place him onto a chair tied with one arm onto one chain and the other on another chain. Alejandra then pushes a button and Mike's arms are raised by the chains as he still remains seated on the chair. Alejandra then throws a bucket of water on Mike's unconscious body. Mike's head slowly rises as he tries remembering where he is. He mutters a fuck to himself as he tries remembering what led him to this very moment. Alejandra. Mike. Mr. Black. Where am I? Alejandra. That doesn't matter Mike. It's where you're going that you should be worried about. Mr. Black. Ha 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 ha. Where I'm going. We're both going to hell one day asshole. I'm not worried about that. I've been worried about that. We are. We are bad people. The both of us are bad people. We will both go to hell sooner or later. Alejandra. I used to think a slow painful death would be what's best for you. Mr. Black. Just kill me already. I don't want to have to hear you speak for another second. You've always been full of words. Did you read the dictionary for fun? Are you a smart man? Is that it? You think you're so wise and full of knowledge. I won't spoil it for you Don but I still have a few tricks up my sleeve. Alejandra. It would be a sad day if someone ever bothered to turn you into the police. You escaped witness protection. You are wanted for multiple murders. Your name was spread all over the media. People want you behind bars and some even want to give you the death penalty. Mr. Black. You wouldn't take me to the police. Alejandra. I can see it now. Death by the electric chair. Mr. Black. Just kill me. Why am I so special that you still have me alive? Just get your hands a little dirty and finish me off yourself. Nobody has any idea we are here, do they? Alejandra. My people are off trying to track George and I'm hopeful they will find him. Whether they find him or not, I'm confident that George will take down every one of your men. George is a man whose bad side I wouldn't wish on anyone. He's worse than me. This man gets a kick out of burning people alive. Mr. Black. I've done that once or twice myself. I find it soothing to watch a body crisp like a french fry ha ha ha. Alejandra. And you vomited one of those times. Ha. Huh. George stays looking at the burning corpse. I'm not worried about George surviving because I know that he will. I worry for you Mike. What's your agenda huh? Why do you keep coming back? You escape your grave. Which I can't comprehend. How could your people have known you were there? Maybe you had a GPS tracker on yourself but the signal would have gotten lost as they closed the casket and poured the dirt over. Or Mr. Black. Or what Alex? I was wondering why you didn't bring anyone with you. You don't trust your family. Do you? What did you tell them after you injected me hard? You told them I was dead. Didn't you? You wanted to see if anyone reacted out of hearing my death? Well, 
Did anybody react? Alejandra. Nobody reacted or acted out of place. Everyone left to continue the search for George. Mr. Black. Oh yeah. George. I wonder if he was the one who helped me out of that casket? Alejandra. He wasn't. He wouldn't. Mr. Black. Why wouldn't he? Because he's next in line? I was next in line once and I did what I did. What's the difference huh? Alejandra. George was human. He didn't ruin his life or the lives of those around him like you. You destroyed your family from the first time you met your wife. I knew her life would never be the same. You ruined her life along with your child's life. Constantly belittling her and making her feel worthless as if she didn't matter at all. Mike. She needed to be put in her place. You wouldn't understand. You were never a father nor a husband. Alejandra. I was more of a father to my children growing up than you ever were to your little boy. I may not have been there but I was. In the background. In the shadows. Don't you worry about your son. He'll never call. He'll never seek you out because you my dear friend are a monster. Mr. Black. They'll never find George. Alejandra. They'll find George. Charles. Mr. Black. What about Charles? Alejandra. Charles Rivera. He was born and raised in Wisconsin. I instructed my team to look into Charles Rivera. You answering that phone call cost you your life Mike. I don't doubt that they found an address with his name attached and that is where George will be found. Mr. Black. They won't find anything on Charles Rivera you stupid motherfucker. Alejandra. If you want to keep that other hand in prison, I'd suggest you keep your mouth shut. I'll see to it myself that you get a room all to yourself with the only view you have being the ceiling, the floor and the four walls that surround you. Well, I'm off to make a few phone calls. Mr. Black, you do what you need to do. Alejandra begins walking away pulling out his cell phone. Alejandra, wait a minute. His name wasn't Charles. His name was Carlos. Carlos Rivera was his name but Sharp. Liked calling him Charles because he felt it sounded more proper. Checkmate. Mr. Black. No it isn't. Alejandra. Hang on there for a second. Mr. Black. Alex. Alejandra. Walks away and exits the warehouse. Alejandra. Then raises the phone to his ear. Alejandra. Villarreal. What's the update? Villarreal. We got nothing Alex. We found a Charles Rivera but he died two years ago and he didn't have anything listed under his name. Alejandra. Call your guy again. His name wasn't Charles. It was Carlos. Carlos Rivera. I can bet that the blue car black. Was driving is under this man's name as well. I am confident that that will lead us to George. Villarreal. He wasn't dead. Was he? Alejandra. He wasn't. But he will be. That's a guarantee. The call ends with Alejandro. Putting his phone in his pocket as he takes a deep breath. The screen goes black. Scene 5. The Donuts. 12.12am. The 22nd of June 2014. The scene opens up with Eric, 
pulling into a corner store parking lot. We see that he is not alone in his mom's black. Pathfinder. A familiar face sits in the passenger seat. He parks the vehicle. Lola. What flavors do they have? Eric. They got some filled. Sugar. Glazed. Chocolate. Those type. Lola. Oh. You know which ones I love? Eric. Which ones? Lola. The sugar ones. But I also love a chocolate. Check if they have a chocolate with sprinkles. I love that sprinkly shit. Eric. You are one strange cat. Lola. Meow. Eric. He he. Let me go. Fingers crossed they have the ones you want. Lola. I got my toes crossed too just in case. Eric. Smiles and laughs as he exits the vehicle. He returns moments later with a plastic baggie filled with four donuts. The bag looks to be a little too small for the donuts. He enters the truck gripping the bag. Eric. You were lucky. They only had one of each of the ones you wanted. Eric. Hands her a napkin so Lola. Can reach for the sugar donut. Lola. OMG. Eric. Let me get mine. Lola. Which one did you get? Eric. Chocolate filled with vanilla creme. It's the bomb. Lola. Ha. I bet. Lola. Starts taking bites into the donut as Eric. Just barely is about to take his first bite. Eric. What time is it? Lola. It's um. It's 4.07 AM. Eric. It's barely 4. Lola. It's early. Eric. Ha. Yeah it's early. Lola. It's early for tomorrow but late as fuck for yesterday. Eric. That's facts. Lola. Nothing but facts. Eric. You know? Lola. What? Eric. I can't believe I haven't gotten caught leaving my house. Lola. Me neither. I was like bye. Everybody could sleep through a hurricane at my house. Eric. I don't know about that. I think mine would wake up. Lola. I've only done this a couple of times before. I don't actually get donuts with my friends but they bring chips or cookies and we just park somewhere talking and talking for hours. We go to Walmart sometimes too. Eric. What do you do at Walmart? Lola. Just walk around. Look at every section. Just wasting time like we don't have better things to do. We could be reading books or getting ready for the future but instead we just waste time. Eric. I personally don't read books but I have read the Percy Jackson series. All of the books. Lola. I started reading Harry Potter once because it sounded cool but I only got through some of the first few pages. It wasn't for me. Eric. Reading is not for everyone. Much less reading Harry Potter. It never interested me. I always saw the movies play on TV and I'd go right past it. If the movie looks boring, the books are probably boring. At least to me right. Lola. You're whack. The Harry Potter movies are good. I've seen the first one and the third one. Eric. Huh. Maybe they are but not to me. Lola. You know what I hate? Eric. What? Lola. I hate people that have it all. 
I hate them because I'm jealous that I don't have it all. I don't have the newest clothes or the newest phone. I wish. I wish I had it all. Eric. So you wish you were rich. Lola. Pretty much. It would solve everything. If I was rich, I'd have my own car. When I have a daughter one day, I'm giving her a car when she turns 16. No questions asked. I'd get her the newest clothes and make sure she has a taste of fashion. Eric. What if you have a son? Lola. The same thing. Haha but I'd prefer a daughter so I could everything right with her. I'd make sure she isn't a loud mouth and actually cares about things she should be caring about unlike me. I go to school and I barely care at all. I spend more time fantasizing about better days that await me. Eric. I think you're just a baby. Lola. I am a baby. I like whining and complaining haha. I actually started crying last time with my dad and he looked at me like a crazy bitch or something. All I told him was not to buy chips or cookies because then I would be tempted to eat it. My mom tried helping explain it to him and he was like okay. Next time he went to the store, he still bought cookies and chips so. So thanks for hearing me out dad. Eric. I have such a weakness for sweets. I love them but I'm already heavy as it is. I should be staying away from that. Lola. You're not that heavy. Eric. I'm not that heavy but I could get heavier. Lola. What's your favorite sweet treat? Eric. That's... That's a really hard question. Anything that's sweet really is good and I'll more likely like it. Lola. The last time I had a donut was like... Like two months ago. Eric. You must have been hungry because you ate that donut pretty quick. I'm barely finishing mine. Lola. Huh. I didn't have dinner. That's why I ate that shit real quick. Eric. You didn't eat dinner? Lola. Nah. Eric. Why? Lola. I never eat dinner. Eric. That's terrible. If I didn't eat dinner, I'd be starving. Big boy needs his dinner. Lola. Huh. Yeah I'm usually starving like all the time. At this time. I usually have a little snack I carry with me but I forgot to bring them. The donuts will do then haha. Eric. What's your snack? Lola. Almonds. Eric. Almonds? Lola. Yeah. Like raw almonds. Eric. What? That's what you call a snack? Lola. It helps with the not eating. It's science. Look it up. It's one of the reasons I'm able to stay the way I am. Eric. You're thin Lola. Lola. Thank you so much. But I'm not thin. I got baby fat right here and here. Just look at my double chin. I'm not thin. Eric. Well. I don't know what thin is anymore then. Lola. Me neither. Eric. And Lola. Laugh for a moment as the silence between them takes over. Lola. Time for the second donut. Wish me luck. Lola. Reaches for the second donut as Eric. Barely finishes his first donut. Lola. Oh shit. I just remembered I was going to tell you something. Ugh. What was I going to tell you? Oh yeah. Yeah. My parents are going away for the weekend on the 11th of July. 
It's about a week away. They're going to be gone and I was thinking of throwing a little party at my place. It's just going to be me and my friends and well, you're mine and Rose's friend. Eric. I think that weekend I'm having a sleepover with Brandon, Nathan, and Brian. Brian usually always cancels. Lola. Invite them over. It's just going to be a bunch of us girls. It'd be cool for it to have a couple of dudes at least. What Brandon? Is this? Eric. He has a sister that you probably know. He has a sister Clarissa. Lola. Oh yeah. Yeah. What about Nathan? What Nathan is that? Eric. Nathan. He's skinny and sometimes makes dinosaur noises in the hallway. Lola. Haha. Yes I know him. I had for a couple of classes before. He's funny. Well anyways. Invite them to come. Eric. I've never been to a party. Should I bring something? Lola. I guess you can bring a bag of lemon chips. Rosie. Is bring hot cheetahs. My friends are bringing everything else. Eric. Sounds like it'll be a fun night. Lola. It's going to be a night to remember. Eric. No adult supervision and a bunch of teenagers? I'm sure it'll be a blast. The screen goes black. As it focuses on Eric. Taking his last bite and Lola. Laughing at what Eric. Said. Scene 6. George tries to stay alive part 2. 7.55pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens up on a big house. We see two vehicles pulling into the driveway. The house isn't a regular house like mine and yours. It's a monstrosity. Two men pull out of one vehicle and three pull out of the other. We then see George hiding in the attic. He holds his blade in one hand and hears all of them enter the house. He counts them to himself. He is all alone versus all those men including Charles and Bernard who is a little bit injured at the moment but he may still pose a challenge. Bernard. Search the whole house. Man 1. You got it. Boss. Bernard. Their orders from black. So fucking respect it. Man 1. Okay. Okay. Calm down. I was just teasing a little. Charles. He's armed. Do not underestimate him. This man is dangerous and if he comes at you, please don't hesitate to gun him down. The men separate and begin searching the house. We see Charles grab a gun of his own he loads it and assures himself that it is indeed loaded. We got 7 men against one single man. He hears their footsteps as he looks around perhaps looking for a weapon or a plan of sorts. George voiceover. They want war and they shall get it. George laughs as he sees something up in the attic. The screen goes black. And opens on the men downstairs. Man 2 enters a room searching all around. He checks under the bed. In the bathroom. And then in the closet. Nothing. Empty. Then George appears standing behind him with a golf club wraps it around his neck as he applies more pressure to prevent the guy from speaking. The guy reaches for his gun as George lets go. 
George then stabs him four times slowly into the chest as the blood slowly pours out as the guy lays there no longer moving or making a sound. George steals his gun and takes it with him along with the golf club. He makes his way to the door of the room cautiously to not attract attention to himself. George voiceover. One down. Six more to go. We then see Man 1 and Man 3 go up to the attic searching and pointing their guns and their flashlights. Man 1. I would head for the attic. Man 3. I'd head to the outside open fields. Man 1. Well that's fucking stupid because there ain't anything for miles. No smart man would do that. Something moves in the attic and Man 3 fires two gunshots into a big sized teddy bear. Man 3. My bad. Man 1. Idiot. George hears the gunshots and is near the attic. Man 4 hears the gunshots and walks towards the stairs of the attic as George is able to hide in the bathroom nearby. Man 4. Everything alright up there? Man 1. We're good. We just out a hothead with our guy here. A big sized teddy bear fell over in front of his ass and he started capping the bear. Man 3. I got a little excited. I'm going this way. Fuck you guys. Man 1. Or don't be that way haha. Man 3 leaves and George waits for them to walk away as he now knows his next target. Man 3 walks into the bar of the house as he stares at or at how beautiful the whole room is. He turns on the flashy lights. He then proceeds to jump over the counter and makes himself a little drink. Man 3. The only thing missing is a little music. Man 3 turns around behind him to see all the bottles one by one as he drinks his little drink. We then hear a creaking noise as we see George sitting on one of the bar stools on the other side of the counter. He points his gun at Man 3 as the man continues admiring the liquor. He finally turns around and notices George. George, shut your fucking mouth and don't make a single noise. Man 3, okay, okay. George, give me your gun, and your drink. Man 3, you want my drink? George, is it good? Man 3, I think it's good. George then takes the drink and chugs the little drink putting the glass down slowly on the counter. George. Ah. It was good. I needed a little bit. I'm not really much of a drinker myself but that was good. Yes siree. Yes siree. Well. Now that that's done. Come. Through the side. Walk slowly and don't do anything stupid. Sit down on that chair. George then holds down man 3 on the chair with electrical cables. He then sees electrical tape on top of the pool table and grabs it too. He tapes man 3's mouth and tapes him down to the whole chair. George then jumps over the counter and reaches for a random liquor bottle. He jumps back and takes a little sip. George, this is decent. Tastes like raw alcohol. Perfect. He pours the entire bottle over Man 3 as he squirms in the chair. George then prepares his weapons behind the counter. He places both guns on top of the counter. He places the knife on top of the counter as we can see a little bit of dry blood on it. He then grabs another liquor bottle and places it on the counter. 
and then another one, and then another one. Three liquor bottles, one knife, two guns, and one golf club. He then grabs another bottle off of the shelf and pours it on the ground leading to man three drenched with alcohol already and then back to the counter. He then grabs another bottle to pour some more on man three. George then slowly walks back to the counter. We then see man five approaching the bar with his gun in his hands. We see George grab a lighter and a cloth under the counter as man five enters the bar. Man five. Where is he? Where the fuck is he? Man 3. G. T. H. F. O. T. R. Y. Man 5. What? Man 5 rips the tape off of Man 3's mouth. Man 3. Get the fuck out of the way. George then fires two gunshots into Man 5 that send him falling to the ground as Man 3 thought he was going to do something else. George then reaches for the telephone hung up at the bar and pushes into come. George, listen to me and listen well assholes. I'm in the bar room. Come and get me you sons of bitches. My little friends are waiting for you. George then slams the phone back in its place. Man 3, what the fuck is wrong with you? George, please. Ugh. Shut the fuck up. George walks over to Man 3 and fires one gunshot against his chest as the bullet goes flying out the other end. George then runs over to the doors as shuts them closed. As the doors close, Man 1, Man 2, and Bernard approach the bar room. They stand outside wondering if they should bust in or what they should do next. They can hear slow ride by Fog Hat playing loudly in the speakers inside the room. Bernard, I'll bust the door open open. Cover me from behind. Bernard then kicks the door as both doors swing open with all of them entering the lair of the dragon. Bernard enters first holding his gun ready to fire. Man 1 and Man 2 enter behind him searching the bar room. One of them walks over to the pool tables. There's about 5 pool tables. Man 2 looks under each pool table and gets shot in the leg as Bernard and Man 1 aim their guns at George. George tosses a liquor bottle into the air as it has a little cloth with a flame sticking out of it. The bottle lands on the ground and a fire ensues. George is able to make it over the counter as Bernard fires his gun into the room. Man 1 jumps over the counter and is able to grab George by his throat. Man 1. I got you now you son of a bitch. Bernard. Shoot him in the fucking face. George then reaches for his knife and stabs man 1 in the neck as Bernard fires multiple gunshots as man 1 is thrown against all the liquor bottles with a bunch of bottles shattering behind man 1. He is presumably killed because if the stabbing in his neck didn't kill him, the gunshots did. Bernard then looks all around to see if he can see George. Bernard. Show yourself George. I thought we were friends huh? The camera makes a 360 degree shot around Bernard and we then see George standing behind him with a golf club in his grasp. He swings against Bernard's temple as the big man drops his weapon slowly. His mouth starts dripping blood as Bernard is still able to stand. It barely took him down to just one knee. 
Bernard then spits some of the blood as he smiles with blood all inside and around his mouth. George then reaches for a bottle and cracks it open on Bernard's head with Bernard coming down to his feet. George then calmly grabs the lighter from his pocket and lights him on fire. He stares at the body catching fire. He begins to walk away after a few seconds. Bernard still not fully passed or given up, rolls around trying to stop the fire. Then there is no noise as George begins walking slowly towards the exit of the barroom. In one sudden movement, perhaps adrenaline, Bernard stands up and begins running towards George as we see a side view of just how much he ran and how close he got to George. The flames on the floor grow hotter as George is quickly able to hear him and fire three gunshots into Bernard's head which send him falling onto his knees and to the ground he falls as the flames spread down the line onto man 3 who was already dead tied to the chair. George takes a deep breath. He begins counting them one by one. George. 1 2 3 4 5 6. I got 6. I'm still missing the final one. Charles is then standing right behind him holding a gun to his head. Charles, I make 7 don't I? George? Holy shit. What a. What a fucking mess you madman. Throw your gun. Where's your knife? George, it's in one of the guy's necks. You want it? Charles, move. Let's get the fuck out of here. George, we can agree on something. Praise Jesus. Charles, shut your fucking mouth. Charles and George then exit the room as we get one last look at the destruction in the room with all the dead bodies and the fire only spreading all around the bar room. They walk down the stairs together as Charles takes a look at the house in grief. Charles, the boss will be proud that I put that bullet in you myself my boy. Mike, was just a boy when Sharp, adopted him and raised him as his own. Everybody always says that and how lucky Mike, was but the truth is that Don Rogelio, treated him like an errand boy rather than a son. I can't recall but only a handful of times that Don Rogelio, actually hugged this boy. All he needed was guidance. He could have been the Don he was destined to be but then, your boss, came along. That was a boy that Don Rogelio, treated even better than his own children. I was there through all of it. I saw the kind of father, the kind of monster sharp, was. He single-handedly fucked everyone up in that house, including poor Mike. Your hired mighty Don will go down one day my boy, believe me, believe it. They exit the house as Charles still has the gun pointed at George with his hands up. George, you seem to be shaking with that gun Charles. Have you ever held a gun before? Charles, of course I've held a gun before. Huh, what kind of amateur do you think I am? George, huh, have you ever killed a man Charles? Charles, well, no. George, do you have the guts to kill a man Charles? It takes guts to fire the gun but even more guts to fire that weapon at somebody and be able to live with it. Let's take a seat Charles. I'm, I'm tired. George walks over the patio furniture and takes a seat. Charles, you think this a fucking game, don't you? George, 
Just sit the fuck down. Keep the gun pointed at me. I want to rest for just a moment. Charles. Fine. Fine. Charles takes a seat and continues holding the gun up and pointing it at George. George, I was a military man Charles. You used to be a butler. We both know who wins at the end of this. Charles, you watch that fucking mouth kid. George looks behind Charles and sees the cavalry has arrived just in time. George, ha 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 ha. Charles, just keep laughing. Charles stands up and points the gun at George. Charles, any final words? George, you're nothing but a bitch. Charles, haha, you got jokes kid. George, I have my moments. A gunshot is then heard and Charles falls to the ground as Villarreal and company arrive in time to save George. George, who killed him? John, you can thank me later. George, Johnny boy, I'll owe you some top later. John, you're going to have to take me to dinner first asshole. George, it's a deal. Villarreal. Where's everyone George? George, dead. Villarreal. How many was there? George, seven in total including Charles. Villarreal. You killed all of them. George, I'm a fucking warrior Villarreal. You know this. Villarreal. We're glad you're alive kid. George, yeah, me too. Villarreal. Take a quick look around the house and if you don't find anything let's get the fuck out of here and forget about all this shit. Alejandra. Will be glad that John. Was able to save George's life haha. <laughs> they smile and keep talking as the screen goes black. Scene 7. The daughter of Don Hugo. 6.44pm, the 5th of May 2018, we open up to the white wedding, we see Don Hugo shot down, the camera then goes around as we see Mike, and Alvarez walk all around, we see all the bodies and the damage left behind, we then see Don Hugo's daughter tied to a chair and her mouth covered, Mike, what do we do about her, we then see Don Rogelio, Walk up to her as he feels her cheek with his hand softly. She just stares in horror. Don Rogelio walks towards Mike and whispers something in his ear. Mike nods. We then see Alvarez and Don Rogelio begin walking towards a car as they begin driving away. We are left with Mike and Don Hugo's daughter. He walks with her still tied up. She tries to speak but she can't speak. Mike, takes the mouthpiece off. Daughter, you bastards. You killed my father. You killed my husband. Why? They approach a vehicle as Mike, places her in the back seat completely ignoring her. He then closes the back door on her as he still ignores her. Daughter, answer me. Mike, I know about your husband. He was an innocent man. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm not the one that shot him anyway. I had no intention of shooting that man. Daughter, who shot my husband? Alvarez? Mike, yeah, it was Alvarez. Mr. Alvarez. Daughter, where are you taking me? Mike, somewhere safe. Daughter, what? Why? Mike, I, I don't know why. 
I have this feeling that I shouldn't kill you. Daughter, I've heard the story is Mike. I know you don't give a fuck about anything. Why would you give a fuck about me? Mike, I... I can't explain it. The daughter just stares at the window outside and starts crying as Mike continues driving. The tears and the mucus begin running down her face. A little heavy breathing follows. Mike, what's wrong? You'll live. You're one of the lucky ones. Daughter, I was going to break the news to my husband after the wedding. Mike, what news? Daughter, I'm... I'm three weeks pregnant. Mike, well, maybe that's what I felt. Daughter, you've done worse. I don't know why you would care about me. You never cared about anything or anyone. I had heard the stories. You were nothing but a sick fuck. Always was and always has been. They continue driving as they arrive at a motel. Daughter, your boss has no idea you let me live. Does he? Mike. Number. That's why I'll help you and your baby. I assure you that nothing will ever happen to either of you as long as I'm alive. Daughter. Fuck you. Mike. Exits the vehicle and unties her as they walk together to a room. He walks her to her room as he stands outside. Mike. I'll stay in touch. Daughter. Sure. I am sure you will. Will be nothing but a problem you should have taken care of but you didn't. Mike begins walking away as she closes the door behind herself. He gets closer to the car as he enters and takes a seat in his car. The camera focuses on himself for a second. Mike, voice over. I felt something inside of me to let her live. I've killed people for less but something told me to keep her alive and not to kill her like Don Rogelio. Sharp. Explicitly told me to do. I'm not a good person nor have I ever considered myself as such but that day, I felt like a good person. I killed more people than I could count but I'll let one live. Terrible. Ha ha ha. Mike. Begins driving away as he is seen parking his vehicle and stepping into the vehicle with Sharp. And Mr. Alvarez. The doors close as the screen goes black. Scene 8. The end of Mike. Morales. 8.21pm. The 3rd of October 3049. We see Mike. Hanging by the chains with his arms still being held up. We also see Alejandra. Sitting at a chair in front of Mike. Nothing but just peace and tranquility. Alejandro's phone rings once and Alejandra. Rushes quickly outside to answer it since there isn't much service inside the actual warehouse. Alejandra. Did you find him? Villarreal. Yeah. We found him. He killed his way through the house. He was about to get shot and John. Here saved his life. Alejandra. I'm glad. It's almost time for celebration. Only one last thing to do. Alejandra. Ends the phone call. He walks back to the car and reaches for something inside the vehicle. He comes out with a half empty vodka bottle and a little shot glass. He closes the car and then walks slowly back into the warehouse. Alejandra. Well Mike. It's over. Mike. Fuck. Alejandra. 
I recall that one of my guys carries a bottle with him. I'm sure he wouldn't mind if it was you that drank it. Mike. Sizes Alejandra. Opens up a table and sets it up right in front of Mike. He pours Mike. A shot as the smoke rises out of the shot glass. Alejandra. Then lowers the chains just enough so he can reach for the shot glass. Alejandra. Go on. Drink it. Mike. How do I know you didn't poison this? Alejandra. Believe me when I tell you. I'm not taking any half measures with you this time. I wouldn't poison you to death or even attempt that with you. You know how this ends. I'm giving you one last drink before I end your life and put an end to all this nonsense. Mike. Reaches for the shot and chugs it quickly. Mike. That's good shit. I guess I'm supposed to thank you now right? Alejandra. Don't thank me yet. Alejandra. Then pause Mike. Another one. Mike. Here's to you Don Alejandro. You beat me. You won. Maybe you are the better man. I still don't think so but hey. Who cares? Nobody's keeping count. Mike. Chugs it quickly again. Mike. Can I ask you something? Alejandra. Sure. Mike. How did you ever escape that day in the field? The man who could kill anyone without a weapon and he doesn't kill the officers and steal one of their police cars? That's how I would have done it ha. Huh? Alejandra. I got lucky Mike. I ran into some barn miles away and then I. I took off on foot continuing to the west. Mike. They searched for you for days in those fields. They thought you had died out there. I thought you would die out there. Alejandra. Well I didn't. I lived to tell the tale. Mike. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We are in that same warehouse where I killed those men. Alejandra. The very same one. The night the FBI showed up and you tried to pin all those murders on me. Mike. I can't believe this warehouse is still out here. Alejandra. Pause them another one. Mike. This shit. S strong. Alejandra. It's not the cheap stuff you are used to my old friend. Mike. Friend. Alejandra. You were more than a friend to me. For years. I considered you a brother even when you betrayed everything we stood for. Mike. I'm sorry I'm a fuck up. I was never okay. I have issues that I could never deal with. I should have gone to see a doctor or something. Ha. Huh. Mike. Chugs it again. Alejandra. Don't be sorry. It's who you are. Don't ever apologize for being who you are. Mike. I won't anymore. What's next Don? Strangers by the Kinks begins playing in the background growing a little louder as the scene continues leading to the inevitable. Alejandra. I hope your death brings you peace and tranquility that you never got in life Mike. Mike. I hope so too. Alejandra. Let's the chains down as he uncuffs Mike. From the chains. Mike. Sits there laughing as he falls out of the chair laughing. He stands. Barely being able to stand as Alejandra. Stands calmly reaching into his suit reaching for a gun we haven't seen on him. Mike. Is that what I think is his? Alejandra. 
It was a gift. Mike. I always wanted one of those. Alejandra. Who wouldn't? She's a beauty. Mike. I've done such terrible things in my life. Haven't I? Alejandra. Yeah, you have. Mike. I don't regret anything I have done. I stand by everything I have ever done up this very point. Alejandra. Live life with no regrets. Mike. This isn't over yet Don. Alejandra. Yes it is. Mike. Number. It isn't. It'll never be over. There will always be somebody that wants to take over or destroy your empire. If it's not me, there will always be someone else. Alejandra. Maybe you're right. Mike. It's been an honor having this back and forth with you. You are only doing what you have to do. Goodbye brother. Alejandra. Goodbye brother. Alejandra. Fires three gunshots back to back right into Mike's chest as Mike falls back onto the ground. We see then him fall on the ground as he tries to stop the blood from pouring as he covers the wounds with his hands but the blood is not stopping. He lays there coughing out and the blood pouring out of his wounds. We see as his head turns while he's on the ground and we see nothing but a top view of him slowing slipping into death. He coughs up more blood as Alejandro lowers his gun. We notice that Mike almost nods trying to smile but he doesn't because he doesn't have enough strength or life for it. We see Alejandra standing over him just watching as the life slips out of Mike's eyes. The blood pool grows larger around Mike's body. Alejandra kneels reaching for Mike's pulse on his wrist and the pulse is felt to be getting slower and slower. Alejandra then places Mike's hand down calmly on the ground. The gun is then wiped down and placed it back into his suit. He fixes his suit adjusting the tie. He then walks away as we get one last glimpse of Mike's dead body lying there as if he were nothing more than just an animal. Alejandra exits the warehouse with the sound of the door closing as the screen goes black.